We just took the aging potion. Yep, one drop each. We only need to be a few months older. Are you sure this is going to work? Positive. Let's do this. Ah, oh, see, I told you it wouldn't work. We both look like Dumbledore. <laughs> This podcast is the property of the Half-Blood Princesses. I'm Demi. I'm Jess. The story will begin in a flourish. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 15 of the Half-Blood Princesses. We're so excited to be back again. Yes, we are. If you don't follow us on social media, please do. We are on Twitter and Instagram at HBPrincessesPod, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching The Half-Blood Princesses, a Harry Potter podcast. We also have a voicemail line, so leave us a voicemail at 412-228-5435, and we will feature it in a feature episode. Now, Jess, what is our topic for episode 15? Our topic is the chief pranksters, the one, the only, Fred and George Weasley. We're so excited. April Fools, guys! It's a day late, but who cares? Now, let's get into the quote. It's time for Quick Quotes Corner. Today's quote comes from Chapter 17 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix called Educational Decree Number 24. You know, I don't get why Fred and George only got three OWLs each, said Harry, watching as Fred, George, and Lee collected gold from the eager crowd. They really know their stuff. Oh, they only know flashy stuff that's no real use to anyone, said Hermione disparagingly. No real use, said Ron in a strained voice. Hermione, they've got about 26 galleons already. The trio's conversation showcases who the twins really are. Sure, they are funny and oftentimes the comic relief in the series, but they're more than just the kids who break the rules. Hermione may not think so, but the twins are pretty darn smart. They were practical in realizing that they need a career after they leave school. They understood that they may not be book smart, but they know what people like in terms of pranks and tomfoolery. Thus, the joke shop dream was born, and with Harry's help, they achieved their dream. Most people just leave school and go into a career that will make them some cash instead of chasing their dream. So, the fact that the twins did was pretty admirable. That and their people skills made this a perfect career. Plus, their flashy stuff is useful, from having a fun celebration with the fireworks, to getting out of classes with the skiving snack boxes, and purchasing a lifelong companion, the Pygmy Puff. I think one of the things that I really admire Fred and George for is their ability to do strategizing and kind of do the whole marketing thing, because essentially what they're doing with the Gryffindor students is testing out their products. They're seeing what works and what doesn't work. They are kind of finding their targeted audience before they leave school. And I think that's really, really thoughtful and amazing. So shout out to them for following their dreams. Yeah, that and some of the pranks that they do are pretty difficult to pull off. So they need to know how to strategize. And I feel like they brought that into their real world career, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, that really is awesome. And OMG, Jess, I think Polly is bringing us a whole bag of Weasley's Wizard Weezes products. Oh no, it's just a fun fact. Hey, it's Polly our owl. She's flying in with the fun facts. Thank you, Polly, for these fun facts. 
As far as twins go, Fred and George are very similar to one another. But I often wonder, what makes them different? Let's find out together with the help of a Wizarding World article I found. Fred was mentioned more in the books, over 900 times, while George gets around 731 mentions. This could be because Fred is more outgoing and did more. George, on the other hand, waited for Fred to make the first move. When asked about killing Fred in interviews, J.K. Rowling said, I always knew it was going to be Fred, and I couldn't honestly tell you why. She thought people would have expected George to die, and that killing off the slightly more vocal character was more of a surprise. George was the better Quidditch player, because there were more mentions of George hitting bludgers than there were of Fred in the books. He was seen to be more aggressive on the Quidditch pitch, described once as hitting a bludger at a player as a way of venting his feelings and retaliating for a foul by elbowing a Slytherin beater in the face. Plus, George had good aim with snowballs. Aggression is a desirable trait in a beater. Off of the pitch, George was seen as more compassionate than his brother. Meanwhile, Fred was the instigator, the twin who took the lead in many of their mischievous acts. When the twins break Harry out of Privet Drive in Chamber of Secrets, Fred drove the flying car. Fred liberated a salamander from care of magical creatures so they could try to feed it a filibuster firework. He accidentally dropped a ton-tongue toffee in front of Dudley in Goblet of Fire. Fred had the idea to use aging potion to put their names in the Goblet of Fire and was the first to cross the age line to try it. As we'll see later, Fred was the one who talked back to Umbridge and initiated their flight from Hogwarts. On the flip side, George was the guy who smoothed things over. He was more subtle and diplomatic than Fred. George made edits to their letter to Ludo Bagman in Goblet of Fire because he knew that certain wording would sound accusatory. He realized why Hermione wanted to get into the school kitchens and remembered to get the new common room password from a prefect. George was more sympathetic, but Fred was funnier. Fred was the king of one-liners and imitated and mocked his siblings. He greeted Harry with an impression of Percy's pomposity and asked Ron if he minded not getting a kiss from him for being made prefect. He then challenged Ron to give him detention. George did join in, but took his cue from Fred. George was more compassionate. When Fred teased Ron about Scabbers' presumed death and said it was probably better for him to snuff it quickly, George tried to cheer Ron up and reminded him that he was always complaining about Scabbers anyway. Fred spoke first while George explained afterwards. Fred usually began the conversation with a joke or dramatic comment to get everyone's attention. George was more level-headed and explained what Fred meant. Fred was the one who tasked George to explain the Marauder's map to Harry. Also, Harry had longer conversations with George, who explained events Harry might have missed, plans he and Fred had, or things Harry didn't understand. Now that we've talked about the twins, let's talk about the actors who played them, James and Oliver Phelps. I found a fun Q&A on Wizarding World with these awesome fellows. From the Q&A, we learn that James is a Hufflepuff and Oliver is a Gryffindor. When asked which Wizarding World character they relate to, James said Fred and Oliver said George. I find this quite amusing. If they could have one spell or type of magic in their day-to-day -day lives, James said he'd pick Lumos, while Oliver wants a portkey. In terms of Wizarding World pets, James wants a pygmy puff, Oliver wants a niffler. The twins were asked to pick a Deathly Hollow, and they both said the Invisibility Cloak. Same, that's my favorite Deathly Hollow. 
My favorite question in the interview was, which two people would you ask to help you defeat Lord Voldemort? James said, Harry Potter, he's got a good history against him, and David Beckham. I imagine even Voldemort would be a little starstruck by him. Oliver said Tyson Fury and Queen Elizabeth II. You can find both twins on Twitter and Instagram and check out Your Wizarding World Q&A with James and Oliver Phelps for more interesting questions and answers. Ooh, I hear some Weasley's wildfire whizbangs going off. I guess it's time for the main event. Let's dive into the books to talk about some of the twins' most iconic pranks. Now, it's time to dive into the book topic of the week for tales of magic and mischief. Let's talk about the twins and all their awesomeness. First, we're going to talk about when they pretend to be each other. The first time Harry met the Weasley family was at the train station, King's Cross. Harry, not knowing how to arrive at the correct platform, spots the red-headed family and witnesses the temporary identity swap of the twins. When Molly calls for Fred to go through to the platform, he says, I'm not Fred, I'm George, said the boy. Honestly, woman, you call yourself our mother. Can't you tell I'm George? Sorry, George, dear. Only joking, I am Fred, said the boy, and off he went. He calls for his twin, the real George, and they enter through the barrier quickly after each other. So, Demi, what's your first impression of the twins? I love the twins, and I think that if I had a twin, I would totally do the exact same thing of pretending to be each other. So I think this introduction to them is awesome for that kind of thing, but also they are pranksters, and for JK to introduce them in this way was such a great choice on her part. I think so, too. I mean, think about it. If I didn't want to go to social studies, i just send my twin to go for me, and then i go to their class. That'd be hysterical. I'd love to do that to the teacher, like to a teacher and be like, hey, um, I'm Fred. No, you're George. Wait, whose paper am I grading? That'd be so funny. I know. That's like the one thing. Like if I had a twin, I'd do stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Like I'd pay them five bucks to clean my room or something like that and pretend that I did it. Like my mom would come in and see me and think that I did it, but they did it. Yeah, that'd be really funny too. Speaking of the twins, do you think they've done this prank before to their mom? Definitely. I think they've done this prank to her several times, and honestly, as soon as they could talk, they probably started doing it. Yeah, I also think they're the type of people who would wear the same outfit and just tell people that they're Fred or George. I'd play this on my friends, too. That'd be even funnier. The next time we see this is on Christmas morning in Sorcerer's Stone. The twins go into Harry and Ron's dormitory wearing blue Weasley sweaters with a yellow F on one and G on the other. Molly, as she always does, sends all her children and Harry a knitted sweater. Ron's indignation with regards to the maroon color emphasizes the fact that the gift of the sweater is a regular one. Funnily enough, only Fred and George receive sweaters that have the letters of their names on it, while the rest of the Weasleys and Harry don't have this. George notes this distinction and fakes indignation by asking why Ron has no letter on his sweater. He continues and states, but we're not stupid. We know we're called Gred and Forge. I think this whole situation is really funny because now that the twins have the letters on their sweaters, no one can confuse them. So it's Mrs. Weasley's way of saying, ha ha, I got you. You can't do this prank anymore. Yeah, I agree. And I also think it'd be really funny if they wore each other's sweaters. So Fred would wear George's and George would wear Fred's. I could totally see them doing that. 
I definitely agree. I mean, she's like, oh, I'll thwart them by making them wear their own names, but, I mean, who would do that, honestly? Who would follow that direction? I definitely wouldn't. Last instance we see this is in Deathly Hollows. After taking the Polyjuice potion in Deathly Hollows, Moody is assigning his Harrys to their partners, and Fred messes with him, saying that he's George. Can't you even tell us apart when we're Harry? After Moody attempts to apologize, Fred exclaims, I'm only yanking your wand. I'm Fred, really. Moody snarls that they should stop messing around and continues his explanation of the task ahead. Yanking your wand is so funny. It's hysterical. It's just, it's just so funny. Like, who the heck says that? I'm yanking your wand. I mean, maybe it's similar to pulling your leg, but that's just better. Yanking your wand is funnier. It is, and I think it's definitely, like you said, the wizarding version of pulling your leg. So this instance emphasizes the height of Fred and George's identity pranks. Of course, they have to use their now unmistakable likeness as Harry to also prank people. It's especially fun that in this still rather tense moment, they want to diffuse the tension, as stated in the movie, and create a moment of lightheartedness. Do you think Fred succeeded in diffusing the tension here? I think so for everybody else, but Moody doesn't put up with anybody's BS. And because of his constant vigilance and always being completely on top of things, he's so not for this. So I think that his reaction shows a lot about his character, but I can truly see what the twins were trying to do. Me too. I feel like if Moody had kids, they'd be all like, attention, sir, and they'd stand in line, you know, like yeah. military. <laughs> I feel like Moody could not have kids. But yeah, I think it definitely diffuses the tension, and like, they're going into battle, you know, they're going up against Lord Voldemort, and yeah, they have disguises, but he knows, Voldemort knows the day that it's gonna happen, so he's prepared, and Fred's like, let's just have a little comic relief here, because that's what I do. That's why Fred is my favorite twin. He's the better twin. He has the best lines. He really does. What's the difference between Moody's reaction and Molly's when subjected to this prank? Well, Molly's their mom, and she's obviously dealt with this for a really long time, and to her, it's probably, like, something familiar, like, oh, this is just Fred and George being Fred and George, but as I was saying before, somebody like Moody, who is so serious all the time, he does not go for this at all. Yeah, and just to give a personal example, when somebody asks me if I can see something, I always say no and wait for them to laugh, and my family's used to this. But, like, my choir director or my teachers from high school or even my professors are not used to this. And so they kind of just, like, stand there like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, whoops. <laughs> the blind person can't see this. Like, and it's exactly like what Fred and George do. So I feel like I'm a kindred spirit with them here. Yeah, I totally agree. So now we're going to talk about how the twins tease their siblings, starting off with Ron. Throughout the series, we see many instances where the twins pick on their little brother, but let's talk about a certain prank that potentially could have led to Ron's great fear of spiders. In Chamber of Secrets, the Golden Trio is investigating the end of the corridor where Mrs. Norris was attacked, and where the writing on the wall stating that the Chamber of Secrets is open is visible. Hermione points out spiders scuttling in a very curious way, and Ron starts to freak out. He says that he doesn't like spiders, and even though he's used them in potions several times, he doesn't mind them dead, but he doesn't like the way they move. Hermione starts to laugh at him, and Ron reveals a very not-so-good childhood memory. 
If you must know, when I was three, Fred turned my, my teddy bear into a great big filthy spider because I broke his toy broomstick. You wouldn't like them either if you'd been holding your bear and suddenly it had too many legs and... So first, let's talk about the fact that this happened when Ron was three, meaning the twins were five. How on earth did they know how to transfigure a teddy bear into a spider? I don't know. My first thought was that they swapped the two of them. But if he was holding it and it turned into a spider, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. Because it's not like they had toys around them that would transfigure things or can change on their own. Yeah, we know from McGonagall's transfiguration class, it takes a lot of skill to be able to do transfiguration. So I honestly think this is a bit of a plot hole. It has to be a plot hole. Because they don't even transfigure stuff until, what, year four or five? Like, actual creatures? I don't think they transfigure it in year one. And as five-year-olds, the twins couldn't have been that smart. Exactly. So I think we discovered a plot hole. But my other question for you is, do you think that this contributed to Ron's phobia? I definitely think so because there's a lot of psychology that talks about how when things happen to you when you're a child, that really contributes to how you are later on in life. So I think here is a really specific example of that happening. Oh yeah, that definitely contributes to a phobia. Like, for example, I'm deathly afraid of bees because when I was on the playground... Um, I was on one of those riding horse thingies, you know, those, like, plastic metal thingies um, that you, like, ride on? Well, there was a beehive in it, and it stung my foot, and now I'm deathly afraid of bees. So this is definitely the same thing here. So not that good on the twins' part to cause their brother's phobia. Yeah, well, they're kids. They probably didn't mean anything by it, but some things have far-reaching consequences, so. Yeah, exactly. So now let's move on to Jenny. Everybody teases their little sister, especially the twins. But let's talk about the whole situation in Chamber of Secrets and how I think the twins took things a bit too far. Let's remind ourselves of the highlights. So Jenny sat next to Colin Creevy in Charms, and after he got petrified, she was very distraught, obviously. And the twins took turns covering themselves with fur and boils and jumping out at her from behind statues. Also, the twins think it's absolutely ridiculous that people think Harry is the heir of Slytherin. They march ahead of him down the corridor saying, make way for the heir of Slytherin. Seriously, evil wizard coming through. Percy tells them to stop because it's not a laughing matter. But Fred tells him that he needs to move out of the way because Harry's in a hurry. And George adds, yeah, he's off to the Chamber of Secrets for a cup of tea with his fanged servant. Ginny wails, oh, Joan, every time Fred asks Harry who's off to kill next, and when George pretends to ward Harry off with a large clove of garlic. So here, do you think that the twins are taking their teasing and joking around a little too far? Yeah, I think so. Ginny's a first year, and she doesn't know a lot about magic, and she knows that there's a monster lurking in the Chamber of Secrets. And then she finds out that her crush, Harry Potter, might be involved. Like, she's deathly afraid of this stuff. And the twins are like, oh, it's so funny. Like, we're gonna, you know, call Harry the heir of Slytherin and make fun of him. And Harry's like, at least they know that I'm not the heir of Slytherin. Like, he's relieved about that. But in Ginny's case, it's like, no, this is way too much. Yeah, exactly. And I think the twins are the people who 
always try to lighten the mood but people are getting petrified this is serious so i think this is a time where they're not really mature and they don't recognize the severity of situations yeah they're just teenage boys and while they may have good intentions it just didn't come through that way exactly finally we are going to talk about percy Obviously, Percy had his big moment of being the worst person ever when he basically left his family in support of the ministry. But the twins, Fred in particular, shows forgiveness when Percy comes back to fight in the Battle of Hogwarts at the end of Deathly Hallows. Percy comes face to face with most of his family in the Room of Requirement, which is hella awkward, and then he goes off about the terrible person he was. He calls himself a fool, an idiot, and a pompous prat before Fred cuts him off and sets it straight. Ministry loving, family disowning, power hungry moron. He's right on point. And honestly, the first thing I want to talk about here is name-calling. Name-calling is a big thing between siblings. That's something they do all the time. So what do you think about Fred's name-calling here? I think the twins are the masters at name-calling. They know exactly what to say to push your buttons. And that's how brothers are. But at the same time, this is totally warranted. Like, Percy sucked for a long time. And now that he's back, Fred is like, I'm going to call you a name, but it's going to make you laugh and break the ice. So it was actually pretty smart of him to do this here. Yeah, I totally agree. And you're right. Like, by saying this, it definitely broke the ice. And Percy agrees that this is exactly what he was. And then Fred holds out his hand to Percy, which is showing forgiveness. So, I think it's really important to note here that, yes, the twins are pranksters, but they do love their family, and they are able to forgive. True, and laughter here is the best medicine towards forgiveness, because it just makes Percy laugh. And he's like, yep, I know that I was, but now I'm back. Give me a hug, which in man terms is handshake. Exactly, and I also love this here because Fred dies in the battle, so I love how the two brothers were able to make up before he passed. Yeah, that's one thing that JK did right. I'm still upset about Fred dying. We don't talk about that. <laughs> that's not something we talk about. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. <laughs> we don't talk about how Fred Weasley died. We don't talk about that. <laughs> now let's talk about the best part about their twins. The opening of Weasley's Wizard Wheezes and the process of doing so. The twins decide to create products of their own and eventually open up their joke shop, Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, in Diagon Alley with Harry's Triwizard Tournament winnings. By the time we get to Order of the Phoenix, we have seen many of their products in action, including their Tun Tung Toffees, Fake Wands, and Canary Creams. In Order of the Phoenix, their extendable ears become extremely useful as the trio and the twins listen in on the Order of the Phoenix members' conversations at Grimmel Place. The real fun begins when they get back to Hogwarts. When the trio are about to head down to breakfast one morning during the start of term, Hermione notices a new sign on the common room notice board. It says, Gallons of Galleons. Pocket money failing to keep pace with your outgoings? Like to earn a little extra gold? Contact Fred and George Weasley, Gryffindor Common Room, for simple, part-time, virtually painless jobs. 
We regret that all work is undertaken at applicants' own risk. How freaking funny is this? It's so funny, and it honestly just shows their personality. Like, they're basically saying, hey, if you're going to be potentially, like, our test subjects, if something happens to you, it's at your own risk. I'm surprised they didn't have them sign, like, release forms, you know what I mean? Like, there's waiver things. Yeah, I mean, they should have done Enchanted Parchment like Hermione did. Yeah. Like, that would have been funny. Yeah, exactly. But it's also funny here that, like... They don't specifically say that the applicants are going to become testers for their joke shop. They just say, here's a virtually painless job, possibly painless, and, you know, take it at your own risk. They don't even tell you what it's for. They just tell you that you're going to get money. Would you sign up for this? That's actually what I was going to ask you. Would you sign up for it? I would see what it was about first. Like, I would let all my friends sign up first, and then I would, like, think about doing it. But I definitely wouldn't be, like, one of the first people to approach them and say I'd do it. See, my secondary house is Gryffindor, so my first thought would be to just do it because I like the twins. But I definitely wouldn't do it. I would do what you said and wait to see what happens. Because as a Ravenclaw, I want to analyze all of the variables before I put myself into this. Because I know who the twins are, and I know they could pull something over on me. Yeah, and your girl got no pain tolerance, so if there's any pain involved, I'm out. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You can't even get shots. (laughs) It's it's really bad. So Hermione is angry and takes down the sign. She tells Ron that they'll have to talk to the twins because as prefects, they need to stop this kind of thing. Ron says nothing. If you were a prefect, would you bat an eyelash like Ron or make it your mission to stop the twins like Hermione? I do what Hermione does because I'm a goody two-shoes and being in a position of responsibility, I would kind of put that first and be responsible, so I would definitely take the sign down and call them out. Yeah, but as someone who can't read the sign, (laughs) I could also play the blind card here and be like, I don't know what's going on. I didn't see anything. Like, nothing's going on here. Um, That's funny. So I... I would be tempted to just bat an eyelash and be like, I didn't see the sign. I don't know what's going on. That's really funny. <laughs> be in Umbridge's office under the Cruciatus curse and he'll be like, telling me what happened. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't see it. <laughs> so much to Hermione's dismay, a bunch of first years do sign up to work for Fred and George as we see them testing out a product one night in the common room. The description of the scene is kind of shady. The book says, but Hermione was not listening. She was squinting over into the far corner of the room where Fred, George, and Lee Jordan were now sitting at the center of a knot of innocent-looking first years, all of whom were chewing something that seemed to have come out of a large paper bag that Fred was holding. How shady is that? That's so sketchy. Like, these kids are 11 years old and they're taking a shady product out of a bag. I'm sorry, but I just picture, like, a predator in a vehicle, like, coming up to them in a car and be like, hey, kids, I got candy. Come closer. (laughs) It's like that. It's so bad. Well, we all know that you can get lured anywhere with chocolate from our first episode. Oh, my God. It's so terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to say that at all. Like, it just came out. (laughs) 
So obviously Hermione notices that this is just not okay, so she stands up from where she's sitting, ready to tell them off, but Ron says they can't tell them off for having sweets. Poor nice Ron. But those aren't just sweets. They are fainting fancies. The first years slump in their seats, fall on the floor, or hang over the arms of their seats with their tongues lolling out. Everyone nearby laughs, and the twins stand nearby to observe the effects of their candy. Hermione goes over, but Ron rises halfway and slumps back in his chair. <laughs> would you approach them like Hermione or leave well enough alone like Ron? Again, I would do exactly what Hermione does here because not cool. Your first years are literally fainting. Like, they're fainting. What if they don't wake up? Like, I'm going over. Yeah, if I batted an eyelash before, I'd definitely go over now because now you're seeing what's happening here. And the twins are smart. They're trying to market things, but they're not doing it very well. Despite the twins' reassurances that the testers were fine, as seen after they ate the opposite half of the sweet and regained consciousness, and the twins telling her that they tested on themselves before testing it on others, that they pay to participate in the testing, Hermione isn't convinced that this is a good idea to involve first years in. She tells the twins to stop and that if they don't, she'll write to Mrs. Weasley. The twins back down immediately. Do you think Hermione did the right thing here with the twins or do you think that the whole proceeding was fine since the twins tested the snacks on themselves? I think I would have done what Hermione did but not be as harsh because Fred and George only tested them on themselves, maybe Lee Jordan, so that's three people. In any kind of experiment, you need more research done than that to be 100% sure how the results will turn out or a pretty good idea. So they don't have that kind of background or knowledge to say that everybody taking these fainting fancies will be fine. Yeah, true, but I will play devil's advocate and say that the twins, like these first years and everybody else at Hogwarts who signs up, are the only people that they can test this stuff on because they have money from Harry, but they don't have enough money to pay like billions of people to test their products before it comes out, right? Like this is their only market and they have to prove that they work, so they have to test it on somebody, but I definitely think that if they did this, they should have done it with, like, older students and said that you have to be over, like, 13 or 14 to do this with the twins, not, like, 11. Right. Yeah, they're definitely too young. Later on in the books, the twins demonstrate their puking pastels, which is a huge success, along with their headless hats. But then Umbridge becomes headmistress and the twins kick their pranks up a notch or 10. First, they start off with their Weasleys wildfire whizbangs. Then the twins offer to distract Umbridge by diverting her to the fifth floor while Harry uses her office fire to talk to Sirius and Lupin. When Harry comes down to the entrance hall afterwards, he sees most of the school assembled there with some students covered in a substance that looked like stink sap. Teachers, ghosts, and peeves were also there along with the inquisitorial squad and the twins who looked cornered. Umbridge, standing just a few stairs in front of Harry, asks the twins if they find it amusing to turn a school corridor into a swamp. <laughs> the portable swamp. So brilliant. Fred says yes, and just as Filch appears with the form and the whips, and Umbridge is about ready to punish them, Fred says he doesn't think so. The twins have a quick exchange where they agree that they've outgrown full-time education and are ready to test our talents in the real world. 
Together, they raise their wands and summon their brooms, which also are chained in Umbridge's office, which I find hysterical. If anyone fancies buying a portable swamp, as demonstrated upstairs, come to number 93, Diagon Alley, Weasley's Wizarding Wheezes, he said in a loud voice. Our new premises. Special discounts to Hogwarts students who swear they're going to use our products to get rid of this old bat, added George, pointing at Professor Umbridge. As they fly away, Fred tells Peeves to give her hell from us, and Peeves saluted him. As the twins speed out of the doors and into the sunset, the students applaud. So let's talk about the swamp. Obviously, this was a genius prank. How do you think the twins managed to make one in the first place? I don't know, but I think it's really funny that the swamp was so good that it was literally couldn't get removed. Yeah, and I think Flitwick also has an ode to the swamp because he leaves some of it in the corridor, like, marked off. Yeah. Which I think is hysterical. It's so funny. This prank is absolutely genius. Like, I would have loved to have walked through it and just, like, seen it. It's like if you wanted to prank a Quidditch match, you could put the swamp in the middle of their field. <laughs> that would be really funny. So that, so that they'd fall into it. That'd be really funny. Like, they definitely know how to do things right. Also, the swamp was their ticket out because they knew that this was past the line. Like, they've towed the line of expulsion for years because they just wanted to have some fun. But they did this knowing that they would have to leave school. And so, in knowing that they left the school early, they didn't graduate. What do you think about their decision to leave? For me personally, I would never drop out of school. But they've proven many times that they are ready. They have everything together for the joke shop. They're ready to open it up. So, it's not like they're dropping out of school to do nothing. They're dropping out to start their career. So now it's the moment we've all been waiting for. Let's go to Weasley's Withered Weezes. So the Weasleys, Harry, and Hermione go to Diagon Alley and Half-Life Prince to see Fred and George's joke shop, Weasley's Withered Weezes. When they come up on the joke shop, the windows hit the eye like a fireworks display. The left-hand window is dazzlingly full of an assortment of goods that revolve, pop, flash, shriek, and bounce. The right-hand window is covered with a gigantic purple sign with flashing yellow letters that reads, Why are you worrying about you-know-who? You should be worrying about you-know-poo, the constipation sensation that's gripping the nation. So obviously the twins know how to draw people into their joke shop with all of these incredible looks on the outside. What do you think about the outside of the joke shop? I think it's awesome. The twins are definitely flashy, and if you want to get people's attention, the products do it. Plus, the you know poo is so funny. And when it says constipation sensation gripping the nation, it's funny because, like, when you're constipated, you're literally, like, gripping yourself to try to go. <laughs> you're, like, you're, like, sitting there, like, clenching. You're, like, I gotta go, and you can't. That'd be so funny to play on, like, someone you don't like. Just, like, giving them some of it. And I want to know, like, I want to see the bottle of it. You know, like, can you mix it in a drink? How does this work? I just, I want some to just see how it works. Being constipated freaking sucks, so nobody better think of pulling this shit on me because no thank you. (laughs) Shit, because you can't. (laughs) 
Inside, it is so packed with people that Harry can't get anywhere near the shelves. There are boxes stacked all the way up to the ceiling. Harry sees the Skyvin snack boxes and also bins full of trick wands. There are also boxes of quills that come in various kinds, including self-inking, spell-checking, and smart answer. Other products include reusable hangman, spell it right or he'll swing, and patented daydream charms. Hermione's checking out one of the patented daydream charms and this is what the box says. One simple incantation and you will enter a top quality, highly realistic 30 minute daydream. Also, these can fit into the average school lesson and they're highly undetectable. Side effects include vacant expressions and minor drooling, and they're not to be used for students under 16 years old. Hermione calls this extraordinary magic, and Fred overhears and says for that, she can have one for free. The twins are rocking magenta robes and give Harry a tour of the shop. Harry sees muggle magic tricks, which are card and rope tricks. Fred says that these are for freaks like his dad who love muggle things, and though that these aren't super popular, they do bring in pretty consistent earnings and do pretty well. There are also edible dark marks, and it's really funny because while Harry's looking at them, a little boy is trying to steal some, and George tells him that if he pockets anything, he'll pay him more than gallons. Up to this point, what is your favorite product we see in the shop so far? I think my favorite one is the daydream charm. I think that's super cool. Like, I definitely would want to try it. Probably not in a class per se, but just on a weekend and see what happens. Exactly. The daydream charms are my favorite too. George continues the tour by showing Harry a curtained off room beside the muggle tricks with more subdued packaging on the products. Fred explains that they've developed this more serious line. George said that it all started when they encountered people at the ministry who can't do a shield charm. At first, they made shield hats, which were quite funny because you can challenge people to jinx you while wearing it and watch them get mad when the jinx bounces off. But the ministry bought 500 for all its support staff. Now, they've expanded the line to shield cloaks and shield gloves for minor to moderate hexes or jinxes. Obviously, they won't work with unforgivables, but still impressive. Then they began making products for defense against the dark arts, including instant darkness powder imported from Peru for making a quick escape, and decoy detonators, which are weird-looking black horn-type objects that you drop, and it'll run off and make a loud noise out of sight, which gives you a diversion if you need it. George gives some detonators to Harry and tells him to help himself to anything he wants before going to help another customer. Harry insists on paying, but the twins say they haven't forgotten all that Harry did to help them. This gesture is really significant here because it just shows how down-to-earth and kind the twins are to Harry. They know that Harry could never accept it if they paid him back in gold, so they want to pay him back and products that he can use, which definitely come in handy. I agree, and I think this shows their maturity. Like, as we were talking about before, like, they haven't really been super mature in their teenage years, and now they're realizing how grateful they are for what Harry did, and that they're living their dream, and they wouldn't have been able to do that if Harry wouldn't have given them his tri-wizard weddings. So I think it's really important here, like you said, that they are very grateful, and they're giving Harry these products for free. Yeah, and Harry definitely would feel insulted if they just handed him gold. 
because he didn't want the winnings in the first place and the fact that he could help him is a reward enough to Harry. So Fred leaves Harry back into the main shop. Ginny and Hermione are still looking at the patented daydream charms. Fred promptly leads them over to the Wonder Witch products, which were violently pink products near the window that many girls were crowded around giggling. Fred explains that these are love potions that work up to 24 hours at a time depending on the weight of the boy and the attractiveness of the girl. They tell Ginny that they're not selling them to her since she's already got boys lined up to date her. That's so funny. They continue pressing Ginny on the subject of boys, discussing her dating Dean and breaking up with Michael, as readers learn about the other Wonder Witch products. There's a small pink pot nearby, which is a guaranteed 10-second pimple vanisher, excellent on everything from boils to blackheads. We also see the pygmy puffs, or miniature puff skins. They're described as a number of round balls of fluff in shades of pink and purple, all rolling around the bottom of a cage and emitting high-pitched squeaks. If you got a pygmy puff, what would you name it? I'll get a pink one and name it Pinky. My god, that's so basic! (laughs) I'd get a pink one and name it Penelope, or Poppy, after one of my favorite characters in From Blood and Ash. (laughs) Guys, you need to read From Blood and Ash. It is not appropriate for younger audiences. <laughs> when Ron comes over and Ginny berates him for telling stories about her love life to the twins, Fred examines Ron's haul, which comes up to a total of three galleons, nine sickles, and a nut. So Ron's mad he has to pay because he's their brother, so Fred knocks off the nut, which is hysterical, and then... Ron says he doesn't have that money, so Fred tells him to put it back on the right shelves. Ron drops the boxes, swears, and gives Fred a rude gesture that Mrs. Weasley spots and yells at him about. He's just flicked them off, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're like, oh, it's a rude gesture. It's like, yeah, we know you're telling him he's number one. Like, come on. <laughs> but honestly, though, is this unfair treatment? Like, would you make your family pay for your products? You know, I would, I'd give them a discount. I wouldn't give it to them for free because I have to make money and I worked my butt off to get here. So the least they can do is, you know, give me some money because the family didn't help them run the shop. Harry gave them the money. So I'd give them a discount. Yeah, I agree. I'd give them a discount, maybe like 10% at least, like at least 10%, maybe more, but I wouldn't go under 10% because I think that's just rude. Um, so the passage ends here when Ginny asks for a pygmy puff, and Mrs. Weasley and Ginny go to look at them. Spotting Malfoy out the window, the trio leave the shop in the invisibility cloak while everyone is distracted to follow him. Alright friends, that's it for Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. Demi, what was your favorite prank from this episode and your favorite product from the twins? I think my favorite prank is probably the swamp because it's hilarious and absolutely iconic. And I would have to say that my favorite product is the extendable ears because I love to eavesdrop. And we see that it comes in great use, especially for the Golden Trio when they're camping during Deathly Hallows. So I think that the extendable ears are super cool and I would totally want one. I have to agree with you. My favorite prank is also the swamp. 
just because again as we were talking about it takes so much skill to make and it's basically a work of art like let's be real um and my favorite product is definitely the fever fudge first of all that name is so fantastic and it would be awesome to use to get out of a boring class or social event I didn't want to go to. Plus, like, having a fever is so believable, especially if it's, like, the winter time and you go somewhere and you're like, I'm not feeling this sort of event, don't want to be here, just pop some in my mouth. Also, fudge is my favorite candy. Absolutely favorite. Like, if you give me fudge, I will love you forever. Just like the chocolate incident. <laughs> I love fudge, too, but... I hate having a fever. So it's basically like, okay, I'm going to eat this delicious fudge knowing that I'm going to give myself a fever. And that kind of sucks. Yeah, but it's the best of the skiving snack boxes because I definitely hate vomiting. I think it's the most disgusting action anybody can take. Like, it's so gross. Um, so I wouldn't want a puking pastel. And fainting fancies, I'd be scared to be unconscious, right? So this is like the next best thing. Yeah, and I don't like the nosebleed ones either. I've never had a nosebleed, and I know people who've had nosebleeds, and they're gross, so I wouldn't want that either. Yeah, I've had one, and it's not pleasant. I would not want that snack box either, but, like, this is the best of them all, I feel like. Fever fudge. It's so clever. Everything's alliteration, and it's so hard to say. (laughs) That's the whole point, though. That's the brilliance behind it. Yeah, I agree. Super creative. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We hope you had a fantastic April Fool's Day. Maybe played a prank on somebody. If you did, please let us know how it worked out and tell us your favorite prank from the twins and also your favorite product from Weasley's Wizard Weezes. We would love to know. Our next episode comes out on April 23rd, so stay tuned for that. Thanks again for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this chapter of the Half-Blood Princesses, a Harry Potter podcast. Hedwood's theme and leaving Hogwarts in this episode were originally composed by John Williams and arranged by me. Until next time, mark this page with a magical bookmark.